Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There, you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services. Turn with me today to Psalm chapter 8 as we are marching through the Psalms for a few more weeks. Um, Next Sunday, we'll deal with Psalm chapter 9. The following Sunday, Pastor Tim will preach from Psalm chapter 10. At the end of the month, we'll draw this sermon series to a close, and we will begin something new for a little while. I like the idea, though, of coming back to the Psalms for a few weeks at a time during the summer. And so we're going to keep that as a theme moving forward uh, year after year. I'm As you, you hear me say that, I'm anticipating on being with you guys for a while. So, amen. Psalm chapter 8. And here's what God's Word says to us today. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, listen to this. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And then the psalmist ends right where he started, as if to drive home his point one more time and make sure we get it. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Keep your Bibles open. Turn with me to the New Testament very quickly to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a parallel passage that I believe will shed some light on our topic today. 1 Corinthians 15 and we're going to begin in verse 19, just a few verses. Verse 19, it says, if, we, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as an animal dies, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 
but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when, the de- when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under His feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that He is, it is plain that He is accepted who put all things in subjection under Him. Verse 28, when all things are subjected to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to Him who put all things in subjection under Him that God may be all in all. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, make us. In Christ's name, Amen. In his commentary of the Psalms, James Johnston writes these words. I'd like to begin with them today. He said, The Eisenhower Tunnel carries Interstate 70 under the Continental Divide, 50 miles west of Denver. Before it was completed in 1979, the way west lay over Loveland Pass, which is much longer and can be closed by winter storms. Driving out of this long tunnel on a sunny day is a glorious experience. After a mile and a half underground, you emerge again into the glory of the Rockies at 11,000 feet. It feels like the roof of the world. He goes on to say Psalm 8 gives us the same sort of transition. The five previous psalms feel like a tunnel as David prays to be rescued from his enemies. Here we come out into the sunshine again to celebrate the majesty of God. And he says the view is breathtaking. This is a psalm of praise. An adoration. And you see from the very get-go of David's words, the glory of the Creator is the cause of this celebration. He writes, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Now let's firstly draw your attention to something very important there. If you'll notice in your Bibles, if it's the same as mine, it says, O Lord, our Lord, but the first Lord is in all capital letters. And we've explained to you as we've gone through the Psalms what that means. All caps represents the covenant name of God. He's saying Yahweh. It's an unspeakable name of God. It means that you are Lord. You are Creator. If you think back to the Old Testament, to the story of Moses, Moses was told to go to Pharaoh and command that Pharaoh let the people go. And Moses said to, he said to God, he said, who do I say has sent me? What did God say to Moses? He said, tell him, I am that I am. I am the covenant God. I am Yahweh. I am the Creator. But then the second word starts with a capital and the rest of the words are not capitalized. The rest of the letters are not capitalized. O Lord, Our Lord, it's as if David is saying Yahweh, covenant God, but the second word is translated as governor, covenant God, 
governor, ruler of all things. How majestic is your name in all the earth. God, you govern all things. The majesty that the psalmist speaks of is on full display. I was reminded of Romans 1 and verse 20 that says, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. The subject of this hymn is the excellence of God and His works of creation. It speaks of how God would exalt a lowly man and give him dominion over creation. What does it teach us, though? What do we learn today about the Creator God and about man? What does it teach us about Christ? There's some questions we're going to attempt to answer, but there's two fundamental questions that I believe this passage will help us with. Firstly, who is God? And what am I? Who is God? And what am I? And how do those two things interact together? How does one impact the other? Well, as we jump into a study of this text today and we notice the first couple of verses together, I want to draw your attention to the glory of the great King. The glory of the great King. He begins, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. We are presented with a God who deserves the highest praise and allegiance. Spurgeon wrote that no heart can measure, no tongue can describe half the greatness of God. He says majestic here in this first verse. How majestic is your name? He's referring to kingship. He's referring to sovereignty. I was listening to my favorite preacher, Alistair Begg, earlier in the week, and he said, and he's from Scotland. He's he's from he's lived in England a lot of his life, and he he said that Americans struggle with the concept of majesty. They struggle with the concept of sovereignty. But David here is saying, you are not only the covenant God, Yahweh, but you are ruler over all things. Your name is, is royalty. It's a sovereign name. As we think about the implications of that for us, the king of a particular country has subjects. He rules over those people and he has the right to judge according to his own law. He has the right to rule over His people, to make dictates, commands on them, and He has the right to go to war and to fight His enemies. David says, you have set your glory above the heavens. In other words, he says, God's glory is higher than the heavens. God's glory is unfathomable. It's indescribable. The planets, the stars, the wonders of the universe, these only give us a glimpse of how majestic God really is. But I couldn't help but think as I reflected on that, still mankind scoffs. It thumbs its nose at God despite all the evidence that we have been given. You know, Psalm 14 and 1 is the verse that says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Verse 2, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avengers. 
some beautiful poetic language there. Now, does he mean literal babies and infants? Well, I definitely believe that can be a part of it. Thank God for young ones who are raised in a Christian home and who sing the Lord's praises. I can think back to my own childhood and the songs that were taught to me that are still in my heart and mind today. And so that could certainly be a part of the context here, but, but we have to realize something. And I don't mean to be condescending here, but we're babies. We must realize that we are weak, that we are frail, that we are insignificant, that we are dependent on something and someone. And I believe that verse of Scripture right, right there helps us to define our, our own identity. Our identity is not in where we are from. It is not in the last name that we carry in the family that we were raised in. It certainly isn't like the culture would dictate to you today that your identity is wrapped up in your sexuality. Our identity is in Christ. Our identity is in God, our Father, and our King. And we are weak and we are frail and we are wholly dependent on Him. Do you see this morning the glory of this great King? The psalmist also points us to the glory of His human creation. The glory of His human creation, verses 3 and 4. Notice this. Creation is amazing in its own right. It's, it's wonderful. It's magnificent on its own. And David says that in verse 3. He says, When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Notice the, the language there. He speaks about his, the work of His fingers. God sculpted and beautifully created with His mere fingers. It's almost as if the psalmist was saying, you didn't have to put your back into it. It wasn't hard work. It wasn't laborious for you. With your fingers, you created. How small you and I must seem in comparison to the creation of God, the majesty of this world, the whole of creation. And we should look up at the heavens, look up at the stars, and be amazed and wowed by the awesomeness of this world. David says, He is Lord and He is Creator. But watch this, brothers and sisters. Here's the truly amazing part. He cares. We've established who God is. But now, who am I? He says in verse 4, What is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. You know, we have said we need to understand how truly small we are. Psalm 90 and verse 20 says, Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. But men, mere mortals. Psalm 103 and verse 15, As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. Our days, our lives are but a vapor. So why should he be mindful of me? Why would he be mindful of you? 
Why does the Bible tell us that we are the objects of God's attention and His affection? Why would the Creator invest glory and honor in us? I can't answer it. I don't know why. But I know God's Word says He has. There are two verbs that you see in verse 4. Mindful and care for. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Both of these denote the care of God, that He has acted on our behalf, that we have received goodness and mercy that the psalmist said will follow us all the days of our lives. And we've received that in the place of His righteous judgment that we fully deserve. And even those who are not in Christ are recipients of a degree of God's goodness. You hear us speak sometimes about the idea of common grace. I have a, a brother who's a Baptist pastor in the Wilmington area. He speak of, speaks of common grace and a lot of times he'll put on pictures of chopped Eastern North Carolina barbecue and he'll hashtag common grace. I would say amen to that. That is common grace. We're Baptists, so we probably would think in terms of fried chicken. That's common grace. That's a good gift that God has given not only to His people, but to mankind. Matthew 5 and 45 says, He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. One of my very first pastors, a man named David Crawford, he used to live right around the corner from here. He had pastored a church here in town, Edgewood Baptist Church, longtime member of Adamsville Baptist Church. I remember listening to a sermon tape from him from years ago, and I, I heard him quote that verse of Scripture, and he said, God's grace shines on a garbage pile and on your home. It'll shine on the dung heap, and it'll shine in this beautiful community where He's placed us. That's the common grace of God the good gift that God gives to all people. There's a specific grace for us, His people. But God gives every good and perfect gift. And so do you see the goodness of God today? The word that David uses for man here emphasizes our mortality, our frailty that we are weak, that we are children, we're mere babies, that we are utterly and totally dependent on God, our King. Yet God cares for us. Above all other parts of His glorious creation, and the text says He has crowned us as well with glory and with honor. The glory of the great King, the glory of His human creation. But finally we see in the text... We see man's glory originates from God. Man's glory originates from God. This is the expositor's Bible commentary. They say that the significance of human beings is not to be limited to their existence before sin came into the world. They are still crowned with glory. Verse 5, notice it with me, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, some translations say angels, and crowned him with glory and honor. Question, what are angels? They're God's messengers, aren't they? They do His will, His bidding. He has given them responsibility. And I think there's 
possibly a parallel there for us, that He has given us His kingdom, His, his bride, His people, uh, earthly responsibility as well, and that we should be committed to His will. That's what the text means when it says we're crowned with glory and honor. What glory? What honor? Well, verse 6 says, You have given Him dominion. Dominion means authority. We have been given dominion, authority over this earth. Authority for what? Going right back to what I just said, to do His will, to do His bidding. We are God's governors in this world, even though He is the governor of all things. He is sovereign Lord and Creator. He has given us authority and tasked us with maintaining order in this world. We know that we're to reflect His light. Jesus told us that we are the light of the world. We're to be a city on a hill, a lamp on a landstand. He has appointed us to rule over creation, not to be ruled over by creation. In other words, we're a little lower than the angels, but higher than creation. Our function here on earth is to Maintain order to shine God's light, to keep a beneficent relationship with all that God has created on earth and in the sea. Our King, our great King has appointed us, His people, to maintain dominion over creation and not to be controlled by creation. We know that we've failed in that regard. We can go all the way back to the first few chapters of the Bible and find out that 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 didn't happen the way that it should. Let's move on quickly. Notice what we're having, what we're to have dominion over. Verses 6 through 8, we'll read those very quick. It says, You've given Him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under His feet, all sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. As I think about that, I, I would ask the question to us today, how are we doing in our ruling roles? Is our management pointing creation and all mankind to our Creator? Are we being a city on a hill? Are we being a lamp on a landstand, a light in this dark world. There's a cross-reference, a parallel passage that will teach us that there was another who was who willingly condescended to also be made a little lower than the heavenly beings. Turn with me to Hebrews. Let's look at this very quickly. Hebrews chapter 2. Leave your Bibles open because we're going to jump around here for just a couple of minutes. Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 5. So it says that now it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. And here the writer quotes the Psalms. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now notice these words here, verse 8. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. 
At present we do not yet see everything in subjection to Him, but we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. In the Reformation Study Bible, it says that the author uses the contrast between angels and human beings in verse 5 to point to the way that the Son, in assuming a full and complete humanity, restores man's dignity and divinely intended place in creation. Jesus Christ, who was present and active at the very foundation of this world and of all creation, humbled Himself, took on, the Scriptures tell us, the form of a servant to bring us salvation. Praise God! In Luke 19 and 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save, what? The lost. If you still have your Bibles open, turn back a little bit to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 verse 19. It says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Scripture tells us that one day both men and angels will bow before this King of kings and Lord of lords tells us that there is salvation in no other name save the name of Jesus. And so, as we reflect back to Psalm 8, we end once again right where we started. Verse 9, David again stresses his, his theme and he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who is God? He's the Creator. He is Lord. How does that impact who I am? What I am? I'm weak and frail. I'm dependent. I'm needy. Praise God I've been given a Savior. Can you say with the psalmist today and with the redeemed here this morning, O Lord, can you take it a step further and say, Our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. One day Christ, the Son of Man, will return to earth to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. It is ordained. It has been established. Our text says, And the dominion that was forfeited by the first Adam is being restored by the last Adam. Do you see why we read 1 Corinthians 15? And this Lord, 
brothers and sisters, is mindful of you today. Whether you are in Christ or not, if you are in Christ, He is particularly mindful of you today because you are His. You have been purchased by His death, by His burial, and saved. Given the promise of the resurrection. If you're not in Christ today, He's still mindful of you. His good gifts still, His sun still shines on you. And more importantly than anything else, He has placed before you today a gospel message and an opportunity to hear His Word, to repent of your sins and to trust in Christ. He is mindful of you today. This gospel is for you. It is for every one of us here this morning to be reminded of. How excellent, God, is your name in all the earth. And so as I close, I want to go back to where I began with that quote from Johnston. And I want to invite you as he did, as he spoke about the Eisenhower Tunnel, to come out into the sunshine and to celebrate the majesty of God. This is God's Word. It is for us as people. Thanks be to God for it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You today. We love You. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Lord, You are Creator. You are King, Governor, Ruler over all. And I am weak and I am frail. But still, the Scriptures tell us We are the glory of your creation. Not because of anything inherently good in us. Because man's glory originates from, it flows from, it is bestowed by and given by God. Lord, I pray today for one who is discouraged that they would know that they are not alone, that they are valued, that they are cared for. They've been given the gospel today. Pray that You would empower each and every one of us to now take this name, this majesty, out into this community around us and proclaim how great our God is to be a city on a hill, to be a lamp on a landstand, to be the light of the world. So in the name of Christ we pray and ask these things God's people said. Amen and amen. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.